This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves before you. We ask that you help us grasp the heavenly perspective of what you have for us. I thank you for these dear people, your, your children, your sons, your daughters, your saints, your church. We are here, Father, to honor you. And I humble myself before you and ask that you speak through me. Give them what they need here today in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. I'm just going to kind of continue, uh, and uh, if I can make it through here in these next few minutes, uh, on what I have been talking about uh, in our mini-series, Dream Big and Dare to Fail. This is the second week, uh, the second week. So maybe you can pull that up. <clears throat> Dream Big and Dare to Fail. And... <clears throat> I subtitle this Permission to Fail. Now, I don't know about you. I grew up in a house that, uh, you know, wasn't taught that, you know, you, you should be go out there and go become a failure. That's not what this message is about. But what happens is, to many of us, we don't step out into our full potential because we're so fearful of failing. Isn't that right? Fear of failure. And so I think one of the greatest things that hold us back as Christians in the, in the church is fear Watch this, is getting, fear of getting out of the will of God by doing something that creates a failure in our life. And then everyone will just chime in and think, well, that guy screwed up or that girl messed up. And, and so it, that binds us. And I think a lot of that comes from the picture that we have of God. You say, what do you mean? Sometimes it's a theological picture, kind of like a, a movie. And, and you have no power to change it. And, and you just kind of watch each scene and and some scenes you laugh, some scenes you cry, some scenes, scenes seem scarier. There's boring parts, but, but you feel that there's no power to change. It's just a movie that's playing, and, and you just got to kind of go through it because it's all laid out and set perfectly, and there's nothing you can do to change it. That is not the Christian faith and walk at all. I want to just challenge you here this morning. If you read the Bible rightly, we have a God who brings into the universe a real world and brings in real people that make real choices and there are real options for your future. Somebody say amen. There are options. See, when God built this world, he built into it things that can go wrong. If people screw up and they make choices, that can affect us. That can affect us. It's free will. Choices. God has given each of us free will. And here's the thing. God thinks that this is the best kind of world there is. How many of you want to be married to somebody that really, never really wanted to be married with you, but they just did it because they were told to? I don't think you get any takers from that. It's the same thing with the Lord. He wants a family that loves him. He wants sons and daughters that were willing to say, you know what, I could go down this way and I can serve myself and I can just be me, myself, and I in my whole life. Or I can say, you know what, I'm going to give up my time. I'm going to give up some of my freedom because of what you did for me on the cross 2,000 years ago, I am a debtor. 
I don't mean that in a binding way. I just mean that in a love, life-giving, uh, gratitude way. How many hear what I'm saying? And so that's the heart of God. God thinks that this is the best kind of world there is. My text is in 1 Samuel, and I'm just going to uh, briefly uh, touch, it, touch on this. It's an interesting story here. And we have a, a guy that's the son of Saul. His name is Jonathan. Jonathan, his armor bearer, is, is the text there in 1 Samuel 14. And the Bible says that it came to pass that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. Now, the Bible says Jonathan is called the son of Saul, and it mentions it there. I mean, no, nothing is an accident in the scriptures to be written down. Everything is there for purpose. And just kind of imagine yourself being Jonathan. It's not great when your dad, who is the king that goes down in history, is the king that God specifically chose to reject. That's your dad. Come on, are you with me? It's not high on the list of people that kind of want to mention, well, here's my answers. Yeah, my dad was the king. Oh, he was the one that God rejected. Here's the cool thing. It really doesn't matter, actually, who your dad is. Watch this. You don't have to be like him. If he messed up, if he was a drunk, a gambler, or you came from dysfunctional family and parents and Maybe they were unfaithful, or he was unfaithful, or unloving, unnurturing. That doesn't have to be your future. Can I get an amen? You can be a different kind of king or queen. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Now, you may have had an awesome dad or mom, and, but here's the thing. You have to get the revelation of Jesus Christ for yourself. You have to solidify, and this is what I love about the team. I wasn't having to drag the team along. Why? Because they all had a made-up mind. And I can tell that when I see young kids. I think, you know what, they're not there yet. Or when you can see a young person, you know what, I have a made-up mind. I'm going to serve God. You can say what you want. You can laugh at me. You can mock me. I'm going to serve Jesus. See, that, that, that's what every parent desires for their kid. But there's a season of that though, where they have to internalize that and go, you know what, what really do I believe and wrestle with that? And some of you are still wrestling with that on the outskirts. But God is calling you in to have a made-up mind. Can you say amen? And so... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you had an awesome parent thing. That's great. You can use those assets to help in that, 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 that blessing in your life. And if you've had a, a broken family, a broken relationship like I grew up with, you can speak to that too also and lift up other people to say, you know what? You can come out of that. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> That's the goodness of God. See, here's the thing, and I want you to get this. God is not concerned about your past. He's concerned about the now and your future. And some of you are living in your past, living under what the things you did or didn't do, and those weights are upon you, and you know, just, it keeps you in bondage. It keeps you in bondage. Now, I want you to quickly notice the setting. The Philistines are after them, if you read the whole chapter. And kind of everybody's hiding under trees, the Jews, and, and they're frightened. So in chapter 13, verses 6 and 7, the chapter before, it says that we find Saul, he's hiding under a tree in Migron. So even Saul the king is hiding, and the Philistines are there and camped around about them. And, and so let me just interject about the Philistines, the type of people they were. they were. They were crazy people. They really were really nuts. They were the type of people that would wake up and say, today's a good day to die. Kind of like Leonidas in the 300, you know. They, they were just kind of nutty, and they were just crazy, and, and, and they were always a thorn in the side of the children of Israel. And, and the Bible even says, too, it mentions that there was only like one or two swords in all of Israel, 
Because what the Philistines did is they would take all the blacksmiths and they would strip them and they would take them captive and they wouldn't let them make any swords because they could rise up and they could, you know, resist them. And so there was no swords but a couple of them. But Jonathan has one. And <clears throat> so Jonathan, now watch this. This is my main point. He has this crazy idea. Some of crazy. And see, God's going to give many of you a crazy idea at the end of this service for him. Crazy. And he said, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? He's got this crazy idea, and he says, come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. And it says, he told not his father. How many of you kids did something when you were kids and hadn't told your parents? <laughs> I'm finding out a few of these things now that my kids did, and they're like, what? Yeah, oh, we never told you that. You know, it's like, oh, my God, I'm glad you didn't. I didn't want to know. But, but, but he says, he told not his father. Well, no kidding. You're going to do something crazy. Would you tell your parents? He said, it told not his father. I mean, just think of it. Dad, he goes, what? You're nuts. Don't do that. <clears throat> this is crazy, he would say. <clears throat> you know, here's the thing. When you are ready to do something scary and risky for God, God will give you some other crazy person to do it with. That's just the way he is. He does that. That's the way he is. And, and if he's really God, he'll give you somebody else who's just as crazy and mad as you are because why? God always works in teams. When I think about that, you know, you have this thing that says where two or three are gathered, we already think, okay, this is a nice prayer circle. Listen, when two or three crazy people for God are gathered, I've had that with uh, Pastor Steve Cornamone at the Destiny Church and Peter Mel, a missionary who's gone home to be with the Lord. The Three Stooges we were. We did some crazy things, but my God, they were fun. We've traveled to Russia and Ukraine in this church 13 times in 12 years. We've been to Southeast Asia and Japan together, and we've preached in crazy places. We laughed. We've cried. We suffered. I mean, I thought, they're nuts. They would call us the Three Stooges. <clears throat> God will give you crazy people to serve and further his kingdom. How many with me? Say Amen. <clears throat> Jonathan says, come over, let's go over to the Philistine garrison. Now, I want you to think about kind of the insanity behind this text here in the scripture. Really, think, think about it. It doesn't look like they had a long-term plan. Uh, they didn't have this big strategic initiative that they did, you know, when they started down this pathway. No, they were like this. Hey, dude, do you want to go do this? Yeah, let's go do it. What? That's what they did. Notice verse 6. And here's the crazy part of it. Jonathan said to the young man that bore his armor, which was an armor bearer, and he would have a shield. Of course, Jonathan did, but he would kind of go out before the king's son, and, and, and they'd do battle together, and he was a loyal person. They protected his back. I mean, it was his armor bearer. You know, every church, they need armor bearers and ministry teams. They need people that'll stand, that'll, that'll stand with them. And when everyone else seems like they're turning on you, they stand with you. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Thought I'd just drop that in. And so I want you to think about this. And this is what he said. This is what Jonathan says. It may be, watch this, that the Lord will work for us. He might, if we step out, he might help us. How many of you are willing to step out on that? Come on now. Are you with me? This is in the Bible. I'm not making this up. It says it may be. I mean, what kind of guidance is that? Perhaps. I don't know. Who knows? We, don't, we let fear. What are you trying to say, Pastor Mike? I believe one of the greatest hindrances 
to the church accomplishing what Jesus called to do is fear of not thinking like Jonathan in his armor bearer thought. Notice verse 6. It says, come on, let us go over to the camp of those fellows. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Perhaps not God spoke to me. He showed up, and I laid out a fleece, and it was dry one morning, and the floor was wet, and then the next day, the fleece was wet, and the ground was dry, and God gave me really clear sign. I mean, I was praying about something, Pastor, and God told me, you know, okay, great. He had none of that, but he did something. How many with me here this morning say amen? He did something. He stepped out. In other words, what, what are you trying to say, Pastor Mike? We want this prophetic handwriting on the wall for the next 20 years. This is what I want you to do, and here's who I want you to marry, and, and they're going to have a middle name that's named this, and then, you know, you know this is going to happen. You're going to go to this community, and oh, and then and you'll get this job, but you only do six months there, and then God will have another. Just lay it all out. They had none of that, and we look for that. We want God to explain every step, and hear me, church, he doesn't all the time. I think that helps some of you right there, that word. He doesn't all the time, but he's still with you, and he wants you to do something. But I don't know what. Step out. How are you going to know unless you step out? Come on, are you with me this morning? I'm going to wrap this up. I'm almost done. And so, you know, let me just give you an illustration like this. When a movie director wants to make a movie, how many know that there are many animated single pieces of paper that they draw? And then they put them together. You ever do that as a kid? I did that. Like a little packet of paper, blank. I would draw a stick man or whatever, and then you would flip it through, and you could make the stick man walk. How many hear what I'm saying back in those days before video games and all that, smartphones? That's how we entertained ourselves. <clears throat> so single pieces of paper, then put it together. And, and what the director does, now watch this. He lays out a script of what he's going to say. Then he looks for people that will match his vision. He doesn't do it backwards. He doesn't say, okay, I want to make a movie. I'm going to pick you, 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 and you. You're in the movie. Okay, now let me think of what I'm going to do with them. No, he already has a script, and then he goes, okay, I need someone that fits this script. Okay? How many, let me help you out here give you an illustration. How many remember Star Wars? Come on. Star Wars fans. Hoorah. And how many know who Mark Hamill was? Luke. Luke Skywalker. Well, here's the thing. In the second movie in 1977, Mark Hamill was out on his BMW flying on the interstate and decides, am I going to take this exit or not? And he, he just kind of hedges. I don't know if he was under the influence. And he flips his car at 70 plus miles an hour and his face is torn up. His nose is practically blown off. And his face is so scarred if you can see the second picture there. And so so... So they're ready in the play. And see, nobody in the media knew about it because he was on kind of unknown. They were still doing after Star Wars came out. They were making the second one. And so there was no ruckus with it. And so, and so it happened on January 11, 1977. And, and he basically almost kills himself. And he has to have major plastic surgery on his face. Now watch this. His nose looked worse than Michael Jackson's nose. I mean, it was torn up, totally torn up. And they actually, they had to remove cartilage from his ear to reconstruct his nose. That's a picture of it there from before and kind of after. Now, here's the thing about George Lucas. George Lucas doesn't say, idiot, which he was, you're fired and get another Luke. What does he do? 
he adds a scene at the beginning of The Empire Strikes Back. How many remember the scene? You got the ice monster that shows up. They call it the Wampa. He shows up, right? And he hits Luke. He's gonna, you know, he knocks him down and puts him upside down. And, and he, he hits him in the face with his claw. And now Luke has a scarred face because of, you know, a scene that they added in. So what are you trying to say, Pastor Mike? I think God is a movie maker, not a movie watcher. He's making a movie. And he's assigned certain things for you and I to do. And sometimes we screw up the process. But God doesn't get rid of you. He just adds in a new scene. He just adds in something new to say, okay, you screwed up there. But, you know, you really messed this up. But I'm going to fix that up. And I'm going to still put you in. Come on now. Are you with me here this morning? I'm preaching real good, but you're not responding. Hallelujah. He doesn't just can you. He uses you. He, he flows through you. He's like, I messed up so bad. How could God ever, whatever? That's okay. I got a new scene. I'm going to add something in, and I'm still going to use you. Someone say amen. amen. Hallelujah. See, here's the thing. Why the book of Acts has no amen at the end of it, because the movie is still being made. And you're in the movie. We are in the movie. Isn't that great? Greater than Star Wars. Amen. What am I trying to say? And we're coming to the most exciting part of the movie. Uh, faith is a record of great risk taken. All of God's greatest have been gamblers. I'm not talking about the casino. I mean, stepping out, taking a risk for God. How many with me say amen? Hallelujah. Friends, God is not limited by our idiotic, stupid things we do, our smallness. Jonathan, he was ready to die, and he stepped out. Notice in verse 6, it says this. That he said this, Jonathan, hey, let's go over to the Philistine garrison and we will show ourselves to them. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint for the Lord to save by many or few. Many or few. And here's the thing Jonathan's, the crazy armor bearer, was just as crazy as him. And he said, dude, let's go. I'm with you all the way. And, and, and he says this he says, if they say to us, you stay there, and we'll come to you. Then we'll stand in our place, and we will not go up this mountain to fight the Philistines. And, but if they say to us, hey, come up to us. We'll show you a thing or two. Then we know now that the Lord has delivered them into our hand. Now, let me just ask you this, church. How many would you like to take that type of guidance? For the next business you're about to purchase or your investment thing? I don't know. Let's just do it. Some of you just live that way anyways, the choices you make. But for most people, you know, they kind of step back and like, I don't know. Let's hash this whole thing out. Let's analyze this thing to death. I mean, I don't know. Should I go on the mission strip or not? I mean, I just, how can this be? Just do it. Just do it. And God is putting the fire under some of you that he said, I can't go, but you can give to it. Just do it. You know, I can't go, but, but I could serve in the church. I could help out maybe as a door greeter, an usher, or, or I help with the sound and be on the worship team. Some of you have gifts there uh, that this worship team, we need. But you're just, I don't know. Well, they have a drummer, and they have a bass player. Man. You know, they have a guitar. They have a keyboard. They, I don't know. How many with me say amen? Or oh, me. I'm almost done. So, <clears throat> so what happens is, is they say the Lord has given us 
the Philistines. And, and so they jump out from behind this rock and maybe they shout at some Klingon Philistine and some derogatory thing like your mother was an Amalekite or something like that. And, and next thing you know, you know, it's like this fight is on. And so the Philistine in verse 11, he's ticked off and he goes, behold, the Hebrews has come out of their holes where they hid themselves and the men of the garrison answered Jonathan, his armor bearer, and said, come up to us and we will show you a thing. That's all the dialogue that went on. And so what did they do? Jonathan goes, the Lord has delivered us and he will deliver them into our hand, Israel. And so they go up the hill and they attack him and they defeat him as just two people. And his dad's hiding under a tree somewhere. And they just, just, you know, here's the thing. They didn't spend three days, seven days prayer and fasting, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And, and I'm all for that. And we need to seek God. Can I get it? Amen. We need to, you know, know his will. But when we do, let's act. When we do, let's step out. When we do know it, let's take the step of faith, even though we may don't have all the answers. We know what we're supposed to be doing. And it's not totally clear the picture, but I don't know. But I'm going to step out. Stand with me, if you would, please. Hallelujah. Now, in the natural, what are the possibilities of pulling something like that off? Zippo, nothing. It's crazy. What I just shared with you is actually absolutely crazy. I mean, they didn't go to a wise council. They don't even have a, a part where Jonathan and said, let's take a moment and take a knee right now. It's just, God, do you want us to do this? And how many know prayer is important? <laughs> prayer is vital. And the church and, the, and all the outreaches, the things that we need to do should be backed by prayer. Can I get an amen? But when you know and when you've prayed and when you've sought and when you've seeked the Lord, somebody's got to step out. Somebody's got to take a risk for God. Amen? <clears throat> and the Bible says the earthquakes and these two crazy dudes go off on their own initiative and they're in a mission for God. And, and, and their main theme, if you get anything about what I shared, was this. Hey, let's just try this thing for God. That was it. That was the super revelation. And we read that when, when they stepped out, God stepped out. God didn't do anything until they stepped out. You want stuff changing your life and you want God to move and you looking around seeing other things and, and you're like, well, how come? How come? I'm waiting. That song, waiting, waiting on the Lord. Some have been waiting so long. You're getting close to the day of expiration. Amen? <laughs> God is saying, I give you a green light. It's time to step out. But I don't know if it's right. Listen, <clears throat> I was asked uh, back in 1993... From uh, we were in Boston, and Pastor Steve from the Destiny Church, he invited, uh, he, he actually offered me a job full time as a youth pastor. I didn't go to Bible school for youth ministry. I didn't even have it in my heart to be a youth pastor. I remember leaning to my wife because I never grew up in the church that had youth ministry. And so I said, Rhonda, while we're in the budget truck driving somewhere in uh, past Wisconsin, coming close to Minnesota, I leaned over. I said, What do youth pastors do? Knew nothing. My first message was the Romans' road to salvation. Kids are going, ah. <laughs> but here's the thing. I just did it. I just, I did it. it. It wasn't even what I felt ultimately called to. I just did it. And you know what? God met me. And what else did I do? There was a bus that they had that broke down, and Steve and I, we took the engine apart. Well, you know, 
I'm not going to get my hands dirty. In the youth minister, I got my hands dirty. Jumped in. Wherever I was needed, I jumped in. I served. They said, well, we need some help up here for where the vats live, you know, up in the old house there. And, uh, and we want you to do a Sunday school up there. I said, all right, if the bats are not going to be in there, I'll do it. So for nine months, in the middle of the winter, from September to May, I went up there every Sunday. You know what? I didn't have a packed room of kids. I had sometimes two, three kids. Half of them were falling asleep. But I preached my heart out. I just did it. I just did it. And they said, well, we want to build this destiny center, this youth center, and it's going to cost us too much. And I was like, well, I know a little bit about concrete. And concrete." And he's like, well, can we do it? I was like, I'm going to do it. I laid the foundation. I fixed the boxes and measured and, you know, made sure everything was perfect. We poured the foundation. Then we poured the ICF forms. And we built the destiny center. We just did it. We just did it. God is calling us as a church to just do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, a number of years ago, the Salvation Army, which had a tremendous decline, and like everybody else, but then in, suddenly, all of a sudden, there was this tremendous surge out of nowhere of people serving and lives being touched, people being saved. And they kind of, you know, it just had this huge growth. So they asked what happened to them. What was the cause or the reason for this huge spurt? of growth in the Salvation Army that was actually declining. That's when they traced it back. They got this crazy Australian woman. Her name was Eva Burroughs. She was a godly woman from Australia, and she traveled around the globe, and she told the Salvation Army's workers to do this one thing. This is what she said. Watch this. This is real spiritual. It's really deep. Ready? Hey, look, just go try something, okay? Eva Burroughs. I give you permission to fail. Go try something. Just try anything. And they did, and the Salvation Army grew greatly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because they had permission to fail. Well, I started a life group, and nobody showed up. So what? Do something else. <laughs> Do something else. You know, well, this didn't really seem like it worked out in here. It didn't seem like it had any great of impact. That's okay. Do something else. Just try something. Just do something. Hallelujah. Here's the thing. I'm almost done. First condition of guidance is what? That you obey him before you know what he wants you to do. See, we, we, we do it backwards. Uh, I want to know what you want me to do. Okay, then I'll decide if I'm going to obey you because I really like it. He says, no. I want you. Are you going to obey me? Well, here's an opportunity. I, I don't like that opportunity. It's not, I'm not called to that, Pastor. You know, we're not... It's an opportunity. Step in. There's a need. Watch what God will do. Hallelujah. What is he saying to us as a church? He's saying this. Harvest, I give you permission to fail. Reach your city. Reach your nation. Take a risk. Go on a mission trip. Travel to four nations. Serve. Lead. Give. Sacrificially. Preach. Minister. Why? Because it may be that the Lord will work for us. Every head bowed, please. Hallelujah. You're here this morning, and you need to take that step of faith. You don't know the Lord. You know of God. You may believe in God. Maybe you've gone to church a little bit, but you, you don't have that, watch this, assurance of salvation. You have to, to have that, I know that I know. God forbid, if you die tonight, you go to heaven. I just know. You don't have that. I'm speaking to you right now. The Spirit of God is speaking to you. You need Jesus. So, well, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? It's very simple. 
There's a free gift here. It's called salvation. You're not joining this church, but you are joining the family of God. They said, Pastor, what do I need to do? You need to accept and receive what Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago. Well, what did he do? He willingly came, and he said, mankind is destined to destruction in humanity because of the fall in the garden, but I'm going to buy them back. And I'm going to, as an innocent one, I'm going to pay that sacrifice on the cross. And if you accept and receive what I did, I will come and live and reside within you. And I will take your old nature out of you, and I will put a new nature in you. Will you still struggle at times with the old nature? Absolutely, we all do. But that won't dominate you. You will be able to walk the Christian walk. To as many as received him, to them gave he power. That word power in the Greek means ecstasy, the right to rule. The right to walk as a godly man or woman. With every head bowed, you say, that's, that's me, Pastor. I need that gift of eternal life. I need that grace. I would like us to pray corporately together. And what you're doing is, once again, you're joining the family of God. You're receiving Christ. You're receiving, at this moment, eternal life. If that's you, with heavy head bowed, say this with me. Let's say it corporately. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus come into my life. Give me a new nature. Power over sin. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. I give you my life. Take it, Jesus. Amen. Come on, worship team. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.